Hello, my dear listeners, and welcome to Catamania. I hope your week is off to a great start. I am joined in this episode by an incredibly intelligent woman who is very quick-witted and has an amazing sense of humor, very similar vibes-wise to mine. You know, that dry Eastern European Russian sense of humor. Margarita Nazarenko. You may have seen her videos online. She unapologetically speaks her mind about all things femininity, masculinity, how to talk and communicate effectively, especially with men. She took stage acting, she did stage acting, which also contributed to a very good understanding that she has of how presenting yourself a certain way affects how people perceive you, and especially how men perceive you. One of the main subjects that I wanted to chat with her about was mothering men, and specifically mothering our husbands and long-term boyfriends and whatnot. And I think that sometimes, very often actually, we do that without even realizing it, but it may not actually be the best approach when it comes to your husband or your long-term partner. So, without further ado, give it up. For this week's Catamania guest, Margarita Nazarenko. And if you like this podcast, feel free to give it five stars, thumbs up, or hearts, wherever it is that you're listening to this on. And of course, remember to come say hi to me on Instagram with my handle being Christina Cataman. C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-C-A-T-A-M-A-N. Stay blessed. We are live. Welcome, yes. Miss Margarita Nazarenko. Whoa, I'm going to accent. I'm going to say it with a proper accent because it's yes. Madrenko, right? <laughs> is yeah. that your maiden name or is it your husband's last name? That is my maiden name. And I'd like to say I kept it for some kind of political reason and belief, but I kept it because I'm lazy. I was not about to go to the passport office and change all of it. And my husband is, you know how there's people who really love cultures? And for example, people who love to go to Japan, people who love England. My husband just loves all of Eastern Europe. So he's like, don't change your surname. It's so nice. I'm like, okay, you strange man. I'll keep my name because everyone thinks, isn't he upset, you know, that you didn't take his name, but he was this close to taking mine, honestly. Is he from the West? He is half Australian and half Chinese. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because so my I have the exact same situation with my last name. I kept mine. I didn't take my husband's for no okay. other reason than I have three passports. I was like, Do you, it's going to be such a rigmarole to change all of this. A, B, I'm so used to having my last name. I've built a brand surrounding my last name. I just, you know, and he said the same thing. He's like, I, I absolutely do not care. I'm so happy for you to have your last name. I think it's great. And some of my friends back home, so my husband is Serbian, but he was raised in Canada. Okay. And some of my friends back home are like, oh, my husband would never be okay with that. Like when I, I got married, he was friends so adamant. I have friends saying that to me on this like um, low key, like, don't you think he's a bit hurt? Don't you think? I'm like, if I thought that, I would have changed it. I would have gone through the hardship of changing it, but I don't do things out of the sake of doing them. That's just yeah. not me. Yeah. So, how did you get to where you are today? You have kind of taken internet by the storm with talking about, you know, what to do in a long-term relationship, bringing pretty much expertise. Where does that expertise come from? I um, just got suddenly brave enough and maybe bored enough and almost disconnected enough 
um, in order to say what I think and have thought for a long time. My background is growing up, I went to drama school to study acting, hence my experience in like how to present yourself. And I did stage acting. I didn't do um, camera acting. So I did Shakespeare stage, things like that. I loved it. I graduated. I did um, theater in London. I did TV, like cop shows and things like that. You know, the ones that are on TV, like The Bill and Doctors and stuff. And then when I got married and I moved here, I fell into social media because the television scene in Australia isn't the same as it is in England or America. So I fell into that and I was creating content in order to both share because I guess Instagram just came out and it was nice to share and it was nice to connect. And I was like, wow, this is great. And that's how I made money. But I never, ever put my personality behind it. As in, I was always like funny and I made jokes, but at the same time, um, as doing all this fashion stuff and joking and things, I was doing a degree in, um, sorry, a diploma in life coaching. Cause that's what fascinated me. Like at the front, I was this fashion blogger and beauty blogger and I worked with great brands, but behind it, I was reading like Tony Robbins. I started with, or law of attraction, you know, the classics that you start with. And then I was like, I want to do, do a diploma in this. I did it. Um, then COVID happened and TikTok opened. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to put on TikTok everything that I am like inside, like behind the scenes, all my ideas, all my philosophies. I came up with them through both being someone who didn't have confidence, being an immigrant, not knowing how to portray confidence, not knowing how to be my feminine, not knowing all this stuff through a pain point, it kind of created my theory and philosophy on how to be and then I trial it in life and it works and the only thing you need to do in order to teach people is just be a step ahead of them I'm not the best at everything but I know that I can get some results and you know I think that's why it resonated I only opened my TikTok in September oh wow and you have like you're coming up close to a million followers there that's because women are like tired that's why mm. so I want to I want to get back to all of this, but because mm-hmm. I know we were talking about that right before the the recording had started. Uh, just a little bit of background as to where you're from and where you currently live. So my father's Ukrainian, my mother is Russian. It's uh, whenever I say it, people are like, "Oh, that must be," you know, especially now. <laughs> yeah, but the reality yeah. is, growing up, um, when I was born, Ukraine was yes. Russia, so yes. I never had the context of being. Uh, from this and from that, I was just a Russian child, right? Um, now I say it differently. I guess my surname is obviously Ukrainian. So, um, but I moved to, I guess my persona is deeply Eastern Europe, but from five years old, I grew up in England and I'm very, very British. My humor, my kind of, you know, persona is very, very British, but with like Russian roots. Your humor is definitely, I've, I vibe with it because I think it's very matter of fact. Like I think... Yeah. Eastern Europeans, especially from ex-USSR republics, like my first language is Russian. I grew up in a household where, you know, I went to a Russian school. We have very matter of fact humor. Like it's just, we say it how it is and we don't smile or giggle too much, you know? So you definitely have that in you. And then I could totally see the British British aspect of it. Do you currently live in Sydney? I live in Sydney, Australia, which is a beautiful country. It's laid back. It's amazing. I was like what the hell is going on here when I first moved here? It was really out of my comfort. I'm always in big cities when I was growing up. I I even went to school in central London. So 
being in like this more relaxed lifestyle is different for me, but it's good. Especially now and that I have a son. And Sydney's more relaxed? Yeah. Interesting. Yes. It's so, do you have any family there with you? No. It's quite far from everything, right? It's bloody far. When people are like, are you going to take your son who's two years old to see your mom in England? I'm like, do you understand that it's a 24 hour flight with a toddler? Yeah. No. I like yeah. myself too much to do that to myself. I will die. Yeah. <laughs> no. Do, do you speak any Russian? Yeah. You do? I speak okay. in Russian to my mom only. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I want to teach my son Russian, but I'm like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit lazy. That's a part of my personality that needs working on. But now that he started to understand me in English, I'm not about to start speaking in Russian because speaking to a toddler is a whole new thing. How was the transition from not being a mother to a mother? I know it's like a question that probably is so general and you're like, I can't answer that in, you know, even five minutes, uh, not to mention as part of the podcast, but did you find that really difficult? I think um, it's like having a bodily organ that is vital to your survival walking outside your body. So their livelihood, wellness, being is so important to you that you're constantly worried and preoccupied with this entity that is outside of you, but you need it for your survival. It's like, I don't know if you've ever seen the golden compass, that movie where they have a little animal that holds your heart and you're that person. So if the animal dies, you also die. Like you're connected. That's literally it. And you're like, Oh my God, when your child comes along, you're like, Oh my God, this is the rest of my life. I'm going to have to worry about this person mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. Great. So this, this feeling of I'm just myself and I can just, you know, do this or do that or relax is gone forever. Even when they're older, people always told me that. And I was like, come on, don't be stupid. Just relax. No, it's, it's the strangest experience, but it's also like this. It's like saying you love someone, right? You're married. It might've been easier to actually never love someone because it's kind of, mm opening yourself up to possible pain or possible heightened feelings or you're opening yourself up to something. So I guess you could just never fall in love or never have children. But I say to people, just do it all because that's the human experience, right? But yeah. having a child is like the, the limit of human experience. That's really going to test you. It's going to test your patience. It's going to test your capacity to, to give. Like there is never a time in life where you're so sick but you still have to keep going. I've had like gastro, I've had flues and I still have to look after him. It's just, that's just what it is. And you, it's and you get up and you look after him, right? Mm. It almost seems like we're in a way, most of us at least are almost like made to have kids. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's almost, whenever I talk to people who even like, they didn't really necessarily want to have kids, but they, they ended up having kids. They're like, whoa, this was like the trippiest experience ever and continues yeah. to be. It's like so great. You can't explain it, but it's great. And, you know, you hear all the horror stories about like, well, my kid got sick and so stressful. And then in the end, they're like, but it's worth it. And yeah. if you don't have kids, you're like, is it, you know, but then yeah. if you, if you think but of it. But that's the human experience, right? Like if you were, I'm going to get really trippy. Okay. Cause I'm a bit of a weirdo, but if you never had the human experience and you're like a spirit, right? And somebody says to you, would you like to have the human experience, but you could die, you could suffer, you, there could be a war, like you could lose it. You'd be like, oh, do I really want to do that? Like that seems a lot of like, 
you know, emotion. It seems like a lot mm. of pain. It's the same thing. Like, but mm. we opt into it. Like we opt into having children. We opt into falling in love. And I just say, just opt into all of it because that's expansion. That, that is the human experience. So yeah, you I could like say, it. why have children? I'll just won't have children. Um, to do what? That's the thing. If you've got a mission, this is what I think because I talk to a lot of women. If you've got a mission that is bigger than having children, then I think don't have children. If you're saving orangutans in the rainforest and that is like literally the goal of your life, then don't have children because it will it will hinder you, right? But if your mission in life is to go out with your friends for a margarita, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, this is going to like get a lot of people to think. Yeah, for sure. Oh, well. Oh, it's, they're going to hate regardless, so might as well, you know? So I want to go back to a little bit less of an, you know, intense and philosophical stuff. But actually, no, maybe it is just as philosophical, but from a different standpoint. Uh, And kind of ties into your past in the sense of you doing stage acting. So mm-hmm. you have a video that I think like is one of the most videos viewed videos that you have on TikTok about being cute, being versus hot versus being hot. Mm-hmm. How do you as a woman present yourself as a hot one? And what are the benefits of that versus being cute? And what are the benefits of that? If there are any? Well, I think the, the benefit of self-knowledge is the benefit if you can look at yourself from uh, a bystander's point of view and understand your powers, that means in your mind, your physical body, what your assets are, what your deficits are, you can just be, this is going to really get people upset, but you can be a better player at the game life if you know what avatar you're working with. So people are often scared to be hot because they're apologetic. For me, it never worked to be cute because when I try and act cute, I seem like an imbecile. That's not how I look. That's not how I present. I'm about five foot seven. I'm not a cute, tiny girl. You know what I mean? I'm not tall either, but I have a commanding presence. And so I'm like, okay, so if those are my assets, then I'll go further in life being precise or hot or maybe seductive as opposed to being cute and helpless. And I Mm -hmm. think it's not necessarily the fact that when I made that TikTok video that one should be that, but one should know if that's what they lean into, how to maximize it. I don't know if you've ever read the book um, about seduction by Robert Greene, but there is different types of seduction. There's different types of seducers in the world. Do you know what I mean? There's Mm -hmm. people who are charismatic. There's people who talk well. There's people who look athletic there's people who are mysterious some people are not mysterious at all and that's their the way that they seduce people because they're so open it i think it's called in his book it's called a natural which is almost like a child like marilyn monroe is not mysterious Mm -hmm. she's very youthful and that's that's what she uses so it's just about self-knowledge i mean i could make hundreds of of those videos of how to lean into each stereotype but it's more about knowing yourself how do you find out who you are at heart or in your soul and lean into it. Cause Number what if you're one, like, well, maybe I'm this, but maybe I'm that. I'm not sure. Sometimes I'm this, sometimes I'm that. Um, watch people's reaction to you. Watch people, what people say about you. I grew up and everybody used to say to me, 
I remember being, I don't know, 16 or something and doing, um, I already started acting on stage and the instructor said it was a woman. So it's not like a moment where it's like, oh no, they shouldn't have said that I'm too young. But she was like, are you trying to make this role sexy? And I was like, no, it was like some kind of drama. I'm like, no, why would I? And I had comments like that often. And I saw that that's what people see in me. So sometimes instead of fighting it, just lean into it, like lean it's it's the opposite of you know how the school system is you need to have good grades across the board how about we forget having good grades across the board when it comes to like image and just excel in one area because that makes you excellent in something so you look at how people react to you you look at what people say to you and you look at when you can get the most out of people like when you get a good reaction from people when mm. you're clear the skies or when you're you know cute and when you lean back or when you let people take the lead different people are different i i can spot which people react better to me in which situation and then if you're tired just don't do any of it but if you do want to get somewhere in life it's it's useful Very it's, interesting. it's almost like focus on your strengths and manage your weaknesses like if yeah. if you know that that's your strength then do that would yeah. you say that you can be different with different people or is it just like the same approach to everybody I am very, very different to different people. I, for example, with partners, even with my husband, I try to be less forceful, like more feminine energy because it just works better. Like the way I'm talking to you now, I wouldn't probably talk to my husband that way. Not because I'm trying to fake something or do something else, but because I know that energetically it doesn't always work. You've got to match that person's energy as well. And look, somebody could listen to this and be like, oh my God, that is so exhausting. But I think there's wisdom in, in um, how you react to the world around you and how you present yourself. And I think mm -hmm. maybe just from doing stage acting for so long, I had to take on so many different personas and act in different ways that it's not, it's not that you're fake because our society is fixated on be real, be authentic. But you, you don't understand that there is no authentic your authentic is your series of reactions to your childhood and who you perceive to be and who you perceive yourself to be. Your inner soul and spirit is something completely other. It's, it's, it's this thing that you feel you are like, for example, if something happens in front of me, like, I don't know, like I remember when I was younger, grandma was getting on the bus and she slipped and I felt that sense of like, Oh my God, I need to help her. Like that's your soul. You know what I mean? That's not, for some reason that you're putting that on or because your parents told you you're a smart kid or your parents told you that you're some kind of kid you know what i mean it's it's just who you are inside but everything else is a construct of your surroundings you just said earlier that you and i have a dry humor because we're eastern european that's not because we just have a dry humor but that's because how we grew up yeah but i do yeah. understand my my humor in australia does not land interesting so I don't very interesting <laughs> Australians have, I thought, a really, I mean, the, not to say that they have bad sense of humor, but they have a really good sense of humor, but I never thought it wouldn't, it wouldn't land the dry sense of humor that Eastern yeah. Europeans have. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, it makes sense. We are the construct of our experiences. You just mentioned something about how, you know, you would never, for example, talk this way with your husband. So I had a, um, I was on a, podcast not too long ago is my, it's my friend's podcast Cornelius Lewinsky um mm -hmm. and I we were talking about you know I've been in my relationship for 
coming up to nine years and we we're talking about, you know, long-term relationships and she was asking me some questions about it. And I told her that my husband's not my best friend. And that video went viral and people started criticizing me for it. It was like, you know, oh, like good luck with that relationship, just all sorts of stuff. But what I meant by it is that, you know, I would never act the way I do with my best friend, with my husband. I just mm -hmm. never would. I would never, I can call my best friend dumbass as a joke, I would never call my husband a dumbass, you know, like I would just never allow myself to do that because we have a different level of relationship. We're in a romantic relationship together. How do you find that? Like, does that resonate with you? I'm saying this to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thing is, I, um, I completely agree. I actually think it's ridiculous when people are like, my husband's my best friend. Do you know what's even worse when they have like a two year old and they're like, my kid is my best friend. What? So a two-year-old toddler is your mental capacity of your best friend. I understand if you're using that terminology to mean my favorite human. Fine. So use that terminology. But when they're like, my two-year-old's my best friend, my husband's my best friend. They're not your best friend. That's your husband and that's your child. Yeah. What is this intermingling of sentences? Also, keep in mind, I've got an email full of hundreds of emails every day from women. And you know the number one thing is? Me and my husband have lost attraction. I don't know why he doesn't look at me the same way anymore. What do I do? He's just da-da-da. Well, well, do you want to have sex with your friend? Exactly. That, that was my number one point. I'm like, I don't have sex with my best friend. You know what no. I mean? No. And the other thing I think that people just kind of started to cling on to, it's like, well, how? what do you mean? Like, you don't share things with your husband? I'm like, of course I share. We talk. We're very close. We're extremely close. But he's not my best friend. He's my husband. There's a different level of, of a relationship that we have, right? And I think it's one of the main reasons why after, you know, almost nine years of a relationship, we still have the passion that we had a long time ago because there's a certain level that we keep each other at, you know? I still do my hair even when I'm at home to look decent. I don't have to put, you know, full glam on, but there's, there's certain things that I have to do to kind of look good. Because, yeah. because he's next to me, you know? I wouldn't do that with my best friend, probably. Maybe, I don't know, but I, I, not to that level, right? She can see me in all kinds of ways, like, I don't care. And people, exactly. I find it kind of disappointing because why don't you want to be playful and have a little bit of games in your relationship? I've been married, I've been with him 10 years. I've been married eight. Um, I'm not saying I am the book and philosophy of life, but I will say this, I get a lot of those emails and... I'm not saying I'll never have that problem. Maybe he could leave me tomorrow. Shit happens. Doesn't matter. But what I maintain is if he's also your best friend, then what do you need a best friend for? If he's also your mom, your dad, your brother, your best friend, why are we giving the roles of everybody in the tribal community of what it should look like to one person? And then we're wondering why they're letting things slip, why they're not performing in those ways. It creates this huge weight on the relationship, not just the fact that you've killed the playfulness and the sexuality because as Esther Perel says about mating in captivity, you have to understand that love and desire are separate spectrums. Desire is strangeness and otherness and mystery. And love is connection and I know you and I know who you are. And if you can balance between those two and go from one to the other, one to the other, you can have a sustained long term. And sometimes you'll be here for months and then you'll be here for months. You could ask yourself, why is it you find your partner most attractive, probably most people, when you're in a group of people and they are doing something they're excellent at, they're talking, they're making those jokes and everyone's laughing at them. Or let's say 
they're a musician, they're on stage, or let's say they're doing a board meeting and you're standing on the side watching them do that thing they're great at. And you're like, wow, I see how others see you. I see you as, you know, not that guy that lies on the sofa at home, you know, I see you as something else. So the thing that irks me the most is when people are like, yeah, but I don't want to play games. I don't want to play games. What do you want to do then? Life is a game. You don't want to have the children. whole thing is a game. You don't want to have children because like, oh, I don't want my life to change. I don't want to play games because I want to be myself. So you're this amoeba of like sameness, no movement, no playfulness, no change. What's happening? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Watching TikToks? Like what, right. what is it? What is what is your mission? Like, what is it you want to do? I really want to ask people that. I don't talk like this to them because I don't want to hurt their feelings, but that's what I feel. Well, and at the same time, it's like also if if it doesn't resonate with you, if you don't find value in, you know, what you're saying, for example, on social media, then go listen to somebody who you do find value. Yeah. In. Like you don't you don't have to necessarily follow that advice. Right. I have a podcast coming out where I talked about something. I'll say it here first. I don't know which one's going to air first, but I saw this TikTok that really made me like stop in my tracks. And I was thinking about it like a, like a, you know, like a math problem. A guy goes, why is it that women always look better after the divorce? They get divorced and then they glow up and they look amazing. Why is that? And then a woman stitches it and she's like, well, that's because a guy doesn't do this. He doesn't take his responsibility. I'm lumped with the kids. I'm doing all this. And that's why we look like shit. And when we get divorced, we look good again. Can you see the problem in that? Mm -hmm. Because my issue is I'm married to, to a very average normal man. Like he's not here cleaning up. If I turn the camera around, there's toys everywhere. Okay. My question is, after she's divorced, do her children, like, where does she put the children? Do they go in the bin or something? No, she's still got the children, right? Mm-hmm. She's still got the same job that she does. She's still got the same household that she runs. So I'm not saying that it's good for him not to help her out. I'm not saying that. But my question is, why is that a comeback to what the guy said? Isn't it on you as a woman to decide how, if everything in the household is your responsibility, take some responsibilities off. I look after myself first. I look after my health first. I go to the gym first. And if there's shit lying around and plates lying around and my husband's not done it and I haven't done it, then that's what it is. Mm. I'm not going to kill myself clearing up and looking after everything and doing everything and then turning around and being like, the reason I don't look good is because you don't clean up the plates. So how Mm -hmm. can you now do it now that you're divorced? It makes no sense to me. Right. Your responsibilities haven't lessened, right? That's going to trigger a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Hear this. (laughs) Is there a family member of yours from ex-USSR republics who who you think would hear this and say, how like, how could you say that? How could you not clean everything around you? How could you? (laughs) My mom would kill me to death. Like I would die. But I've grown up and I've understood. And this is what I want to say to the people who've just been triggered by what I said. I'm not a martyr. I am not martyr from the catholic faith i don't want people to worship me and be like look how she sacrificed herself for everyone i used to do that and then i realized it's my own trap that i put myself in if my husband genuinely doesn't help doesn't do doesn't da 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 then i'm just going to turn to him and be like you know what you're not for me i don't want to be with you because you're a bit of a slob and i don't like you i'm not going to kill myself be a martyr and expect everyone to worship me and then let myself go and be those people who write to me and say, I don't know who I am anymore. That's your responsibility. It's not your husband's responsibility to tell you who you are. 
and it would be lovely if everyone helped and it would be amazing and you know what there are husbands that do but i just want to say like don't give your power away if -hmm. someone isn't helping you if you feel the reason that you're so downtrodden and you're so just exhausted that you can't even look after yourself you need to make a shift yeah because if you can after divorce then why can't you before or divorce him sooner divorce him sooner then Mm -hmm. sorry everyone's gonna like this but well but it's it's a known fact that when people get divorced very often both parties start looking better feeling better right like (laughs) men i say the same to men or you couldn't you know you couldn't go to the gym before why not you have less responsibilities now you have to work less now you're working the same what's happened and trust me i gained like 15 kilos after i had my kid in a foot surgery um that's my responsibility that's not on anyone else and then i lost it do you know what i mean because i decided to but it's not like i just don't like when everyone blames everyone a lot of my tiktoks when i say something there's people writing yeah but what about him doesn't he need to but i'm not talking to him i'm talking to you this well, and I think people are always a little bit, not a little bit, but a lot resistant to the idea of taking personal responsibility for what's going on in their life. You always have a part in what's happening. <laughs> Something that you had done that contributed to the situation. I'm not saying you're fully at fault, but we need to take personal responsibility. It's crucial for us to, you know, be able to move forward. I would rather what... take on the um, responsibility of having my house a mess than I would in letting myself go spiritually, mentally, emotionally. I will always rather learn, create my business, look after my body, look after my health, than run a clean household. Some, some, something's got to give, and that's what I say to women, that um, if your household wins, then don't complain that you've let yourself mm-hmm. go. If you win, then your household's got to be a bit like, like something's got to give if you've got young children. It's just not that deep. You've just got to make a choice. It's an empowering idea though, right? You're like, wow, I am like the master of my life, right? I choose what to focus on and what to improve and whatnot. Let's talk about long-term relationships and men losing attraction in women because it kind of ties into what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. What are the key mistakes in your opinion that women are making that is making men lose their their husbands, their long-term boyfriends who they live with, lose attraction? Well, first of all, Sometimes people lose attraction just because they do. It's an inevitable thing. Biologically, sometimes attraction wanes. Sometimes it's, um, you know, things in life, work, stress, whatever. Let's say that's 50%, right? Let's just put them aside and and give them the the ease and knowing it's nothing to do with them. But let's take the other 50% and let's say that there is some contribution. What contribution do I usually see is, ironically, not the appearance. That is usually something men notice less than they do how she makes him feel. I have been at times more attractive to my husband when I've looked less put together, when my body's been less good, but my attitude towards the relationship and interaction with him has been more, I'll, I'll describe in a minute what it was, um, favorable to that as opposed to when I've looked the best and been so like in my, in my own head, like, Oh, I look hot right now. You know what I mean? And the attraction is maybe at like 60%. And I think the key is to how you make a person feel. Men want to feel masculine. How do you make a man feel masculine? It's not by saying, wow, your eyes are so blue and your shoulders are so broad, but giving them an identity in this world whereby 
they see themselves through your eyes as somebody who is masculine and credible and someone to be revered. And if you have to tell me right now, why should I make him feel that way? Why? That means you have not chosen the right partner. If you don't feel he's someone that should be respected or someone that is incredible, then you're going to have really bad conflict in your relationship because we as women, not all, most of us, as soon as we see somebody fall kind of in our eyes and we don't respect them much, we start to nitpick at them because we want them to be better. But what does that do? That just makes them go lower and lower and lower. We start to try and remother them. You know, we step into the role of their mother. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you put your plates? Do you know how hard it is for me? Um, if I'm messy, my husband is like on another stratosphere. There is no plate that he will not put, like he will leave everything where it was. His clothes, socks, everything. It's unreal. And I used to like go on and on about it, go on and on about it. And then I was like, you know, his life, his socks, I just gather it in a pile like this and I let it go. It's not my responsibility. I don't care. Like I care more about our relationship, my mental well-being. And the irony is that a lot of women do annoying shit. Men just don't pick on it. They don't bring it up. They have the skill of letting go that we don't have. And I think a lot of women try and like retrain their man, like remake him something. And at the end, they wake up to this like trained man who does exactly what she wants. And he's like terrified of her. And she's like, oh, I don't find him attractive anymore. He's just a little bit. So is doing those things then and being more of like a motherly figure to your husband, that's going to make him lose attraction in you? Absolutely. You don't want to. And how do you know if you're mothering your 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 boyfriend slash husband? Um, I think if you would act that same way towards a colleague or a friend that you respect. Or if that's the way your mother used to treat you. I have women writing to me. I'll tell you examples. Should I ask him if he took his medication today? I mean, unless he's got a memory problem to do with his condition, then no. He lived before you. He will live afterwards. Should I ask him what he ate for lunch? Should I ask him what he ate for lunch and see if it was healthy? What's happening? What is happening here? Can you, how is that man supposed to feel like this, like man, like he's in a movie, he comes out, you know what I mean? And he's like this man and the and she's like in the corner, did you take your medicine? Oh my God. It's just, it ruins the whole, why are you asking? Have you got nothing to do? I'm dying right now, but what, what, okay. What oh, if yeah. I care? Like I care if he took the medication. So, so what, what, what would your answer be? You. I care. I want him, I want him to live. He won't take it if I don't say it. Well, what will he die? Mm, potentially he'll be sicker. If he dies, then maybe, you know, that's evolution. Maybe that's what needs to happen. And I get what women say and why they do it, but I think you can create a, a household whereby, I don't know, maybe you'll put the dinner out and you'll put the, put the bloody vitamins or whatever he needs to take next to them. But I, I, I refuse to treat a grown man like a child because I don't want to be with a child. And men really fall easily into that role. If you start doing things for them, my husband tries it. Can you pack the bag for me? No, I can't pack the bag for you. I don't know what you want. I don't know what you need. It's not, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? He d what about the idea of being like a supportive wife? caring wife what how how would you be a supportive caring wife if you don't do those things you be a supportive caring wife from a point of respect so um you know for example 
um, if you make dinner for your husband, let's just say that that's your role in your household. You could ask him what he wants to eat or what he likes. You would ask your friend, right? You wouldn't call your friend and say, what did you have for lunch today, babe? I just want to check that it was healthy. She'd be like, are you okay? Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. That's bizarre. But you might say, hey, if you're coming for dinner, like, do, do you like pasta or what do you, what do you feel like today? That's caring versus mothering. You need to think about a person you would respect and love versus, I don't know why. Do you know why you're finding it hard to differentiate? Because we are so used to mothering men. It's why such is a, that, do you think? Why are we so used to mothering men? Because it makes us feel close to them and it makes us feel vital to them and it makes us feel needed and have a place in their life. But if you, I did a TikTok on it recently. I'll show you here, but I'll try and describe it um, in audio. If this is your relationship, this is you and this is him, there's the two of you together. And this position where you are, that's the position of his wife. But you step out of that position and you come here into the position of his mother, right? His mother's already here. And now you're both mothering him together. You get conflict between you and his mom. And who's here in this position of wife? Because you've stepped out. Who's here? Nobody. Girlfriend comes in. Some other project comes in. Some hobby comes in. Because this, this is the position of I'm in awe of you. I'm amazed at you. You are so incredible. I really like, you know what I mean? They need that feminine energy to feed them like how to say it, not their ego, but just to, to feel amazing around a woman. They need that. It doesn't feel amazing when a woman's mothering you. Would you say then that it's advisable to do what you did in the beginning of a relationship in a way? Because you know how in the beginning of a relationship, we're always a little bit more like in tune with, um, I guess, more of like a feminine side for women and then more of like a masculine side for men. They always try to like impress us. And well, not maybe not always, but gen yeah. generally speaking, court us and all I of that kind of stuff. You can look after your family because there's a role of like you, you're looking after your family and there's a role of your wife. Like, don't get me wrong. I make my husband dinner. I do laundry. I do all those things, but I don't like check up on him and make him feel like a child. It's about how you make someone feel. You can do all those things. You can give him the vitamins he's meant to take. You can just put it on the table. If he doesn't take them, he doesn't take them. That's it. You know what I mean? I think maintain both pride in your household. If you live together, or if you're married and how you run it. But my God, if you're just his girlfriend, please don't do this. Please don't go around running around doing his laundry and making him meals. Please don't. Like, there is no need. Nobody asks you. You're not... Who gave you the authority to do that? You're not a permanent part of his life. You're a mm -hmm. friend who's a girl. You're a girlfriend. How... What if, what if it's a girlfriend-boyfriend situation and you're living together, but you're in a really serious relationship? You know it's going to end up in marriage. How do you know that? I knew that. So for, I'll give you an example. When my my husband and I were boyfriend and girlfriend, we were living together and he decided to go to law school two years into our relationship or three years. He was like, you know what? Like, we're going to have a life together. I got to get my life together. We met when it, we were quite young. Um, and he was like, I got to go to law school. Like, I got to, you know, become something, do something. Not that, you know, no offense to window cleaners. But he was like, we got to, we, we have a certain lifestyle to reach for. And... I, I got to do something. So he goes to law school. I am still technically, officially speaking, his girlfriend, but we live together and all of that. And so while he's in law school, I'm working and contributing in many other ways to the relationship. From a more, I guess, of a, what you would define be like a masculine role, then he gets out of law school, 
proposes, we get married, and now here we are. How old was he when he went to law school? 29. How old were you? I was 22. And how old is he when he graduated? 31, 32. Yeah. How did you know that he was going to propose? I guess I just had a feeling. I don't know. So you didn't know. You gambled on it and you won. So that's a good thing. You looked at the quality of the person he is. You decided that he's serious enough with his intentions. Also, he said to you, I'm going to law school for the betterment of our family. Yeah. So I always say to people, have discerning judgment of who that person is and what they're trying to offer you. And probably don't get engaged to a man who hasn't got those prospects if you do want a family. So you did the right thing in waiting for him to complete the mission of going to law yeah. school. And you had enough wisdom to know that he would. I say it as a blanket statement for women not to overdo what they do um, as a girlfriend because most women aren't discerning like you. They don't, they, a man will do nothing for them. And for some reason, they are completely loyal and holding him up and all this stuff. It just makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, I also, it, to be quite honest with you, it bothered me that, that mm. I, I wasn't yet, we weren't yet official, right? Like I wouldn't maybe tell him directly, but I would always have this thought in the back of my head. I'm like, well, we're not even engaged yet. And like, I would like to be, you know, all of those things. And I don't know if it was more so I, I I mean, I was now I know a little bit more things about like the psychology of it, but I was like, maybe it's cultural. Maybe for me, it's just this thing that I need to be engaged to, you know, all these things. You took a gamble Mm -hmm. and it worked out because I think you knew him as a quality human being. When I met my husband, he moved to Australia for work and he said, move with me. And I said, as who? As as Mm. like a girlfriend? And he said, yeah. And I said, you know what? No disrespect and no hard feelings. No, because it's just not worth it for me to be 24 hours away from my mom to give up, you know, because you move to a different country, you can't work. You can only work four hours a week whilst you're getting your visa, you know, all these things. I said, bless you. I love the offer, but no, because um, as a girlfriend, it's not worth it for me. And I wasn't even hinting for him to propose. Mm -hmm. I was 24 years old and I wasn't even thinking to get married. But you need to know whether what you're sacrificing is um, sacrificable. Like for me, moving that far for a guy who would later say, oh, do you know what? It's kind of not working out. Should we just have a break? What do you mean? I've moved countries. Like, so you need to know what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're not willing to sacrifice. Yeah. And if a guy is going to commit and if you want him to commit, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And how do you no or or okay let's say somebody's listening to this and they're like i mean i'm like super adamant about it's either a fuck yes or it's a fuck no like there's no in between and don't mess with anything in between you know um i know you posted something recently about how if a guy says like well i need some more time or you know what would you say to somebody who's listening to this let's say you know you're you're a girl who's listening to us right now and you have this guy who's like not really you're not sure what he wants what would you say to her? Um, if you are going to be with him and if you're going to choose to be with him, know that you're choosing somebody who you're not the first choice for. It might be painful. It might work out. You might even get married, but it will be a lot of effort from your part. And you will see in his eyes that you are not his first choice and you will see it in his actions. Can you live with that? Are you like robust enough to live with that? Because some people can, some people can, I can't. 
I believe most women want to believe and want the storyline that she was the one. And men, no. And when they're telling you they need some time and all this malarkey, all this da-da-da, that means they're just not sure that they want to invest in you, that you're the first choice. And know that in your head if you want to move forward. Do you think that a lot of times women still go for that just because they... It's painful to understand that you're not his first choice. Like, you know how many times you hear stories of like, I still went for it and, you know, I'm still, and you look at this girl and you're like, why are you chasing this thing? Like, get, get out of it. There's something better waiting for you there. You know, we, we often, and I'm huge into personal responsibility and, you know, a friend of mine looked at me in the face the other day and she said, why do you always think everything's your fault that happens? So the same way I'm talking to your listeners is how I talk to myself. Everything that happens, I'm like, how am I responsible? How am I, how's it my fault? How can I shift this? Because I can't shift someone else. So how am I going to get better in life, right? So to everyone who got offended before, that's why. But to answer this question, you got to think, is it because you're so persistent or is it because your ego is big? Is it because you can't accept that you're not someone's first choice? Oh, that's deep. That's really deep. A lot of people are going to like really think about this statement. Yeah. Ego is painful it's it's a bitch like you really got to fight with it and when you arrive at a at a place where you're like man i'm going to be someone's favorite it's like friendship like say me and you become friends now i sometimes know that i'm like your favorite person i just know it because our humor clicks like we really click i know that and that girl over there sarah she can't stand me and i don't mind because you know what i can't be for everybody and we need to accept that with men as well like, look at me, how I look, you know, I've got light hair, I've got this kind of face, like wide cheekbones, whatever. How can a man who's, who's like, you're his ideal also like me, maybe he might like me, but I'm not going to be his number one choice. Right. Do you we know all have I mean? different preferences. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's, not, and that's not on me. I, I can't be born as everything. Like, it's impossible. It's a harsh reality check that mm. they need to give themselves, right? And it's or- not reciprocal. People are like, but I love him so much. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sad. I know. It's really sad. Well, we're coming to our time here and it's flying mm. by, but I did want to ask you something. Um, one, one final thing. Mm. Let's say somebody is in a long-term relationship and, you know, there's been a little bit of a, I guess, mix of energies in the sense of like the girl kind of took on a bit more of a masculine role and the guy is more in his feminine and they're sort of annoying one another because it happens a lot, right? How do you shift that? If if you want to shift it, how do you shift that? Um, I am like CEO and president of masculine energy. If you can't tell, I'm a very masculine energy person. I once had my charts read in my astrology. They're like, wow, so many masculine signs in my everything. I'm like, okay, great. I think the reason I, I am so into energies and feminine energies is because I, it's not natural to me, right? Yeah, I, I have the saw, same thing. Yeah, I saw what an amazing effect it has when I deploy it. Like what we said in the beginning, when I act a certain way, the best thing you can do, if he's gone into his feminine, which means he's just kind of like docile, like a little animal that pours up and he's just like, a man in his feminine, sorry, is so annoying in so many ways. Like some people love it, but I find it annoys women and it makes them like nitpick at him and attack him all the time. But you know, I will say some women like to be in the masculine and some men like to be in the feminine and those people work amazingly together. Totally. 
But the majority This is specifically for somebody who wants to follow that more of a path of like, I'm a woman, I want to be more feminine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I find with most women, I think the research is 85% of women fall more feminine naturally and men Mm -hmm. 85% fall more masculine. So this is not for the other 15%. I can't do maths, but I hope it's 15%, right? So this is for the ones that want to be in their uh, polarity. It's, I find feminine energy and the woman in the relationship is way more powerful psychologically and emotionally. I think as much as it's his responsibility to look after the material world, and by the way, I don't mean provide everything financially, but I think mean material world as in like, he's going to make your life stable. If shit happens, he's going to be the one who's going to step up. It's just, we always revert to our natural roles if shit hits the fan, okay? But women are the natural and psychologically more emotionally strong part of the relationship. You know when they say men are more logical and they're more strong? Have you ever seen a man when he loses his temper and his emotions? Women can kind of temper in between. Like, we can both be emotional but logical, but when a man loses it, it's like, he's gone. Like, that's it. And men with their, like, crimes of passion and all this, like, it's a lot, right? I think understanding that you have more power than you know You take it on yourself and you go from now on for a month, I'm going to be in my feminine energy. I'm going to ignore him, let him do whatever he wants in his feminine, whatever, but I'm going to be in my feminine as well. What does that mean? The laser focus of attention needs to go from him to you. You turn it around like a literal light and you look at yourself. You're like, what do I want? What makes me feel good? How can I amplify my life? How can I, and I always say words like selfish and I always say words like self-obsessed because I want it to trigger people because not for virality, but, but to just get in their brain of like how big it is, the feeling that I want you, because women aren't selfish. So when I say be selfish, they like become a little bit more, like just a little bit more. They just shift a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, just become self-obsessed, be in your feminine energy. Just don't react to him. Let him do whatever he needs to do. Stop trying to change him. Stop trying to control him. Stop trying to nag all this stuff. Stop. If your life's going in a certain way, and let's say you guys are looking to buy a house or you guys are looking, just let it go. Be like, you know what? I'm going to let you handle it and, and see what he does. Can you imagine if after three months of you just being in your feminine energy, working on your own self, doing your own thing, you've grown up, you're now a goddess, right? You're like, wow, she's a goddess. And he's done nothing. Don't you want to know that he's going to do nothing? Mm. Don't you want to know that this is literally it? And you know, a magical thing will happen if you go in your feminine and he's in his feminine and nothing's getting done. And there is no trajectory. Can you see with your partner, you said, he said, I need to go to law school because I need to provide for our family. It's a very masculine action, right? Yes. So you were like, great, I'll support you in that. And that, that is why that works, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if you were like, right, I'm going to focus on myself. I'm going to do my business, da, 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 and he just lies there, does nothing. You would become unattractive to him. You don't even have to make a choice of not being with him anymore. It's not mm-hmm. a choice. You will naturally just polarize away from him. Mm-hmm. So... That's yeah. a very good point, actually, because I was trying to analyze it because like logically thinking and speaking, I'm not like it's, you know, it's a great thing to support your partner, but just like logically thinking all the beliefs that I have and all of that, I'm like, how did I do that? Like, how was I okay with it? And then now that I think about it, it's like, because there was a purpose for him to do it. He was like, I'm, I'm getting shit done. This is why I'm getting it done. It's for us. And he did it. And, you know, all of that kind of worked out that way in a very that's a very masculine energy and i don't know if you see that but that's why you were like okay i'll wait to see if he proposes i'll wait because it's a very masculine to to draw out a plan and say this is where we're going and Mm -hmm. people be like oh but why does he get to draw out a plan and say where we're going no no you still have the influence he'd be like right we're gonna i I did a tiktok on this right we're gonna buy a house in 
Bermuda. And you're like, Bermuda, huh? Interesting. It's amazing because a lot of women are like, why Bermuda? Yuck. I don't want to go to Bermuda. Why? You just, you just squashed his drive, okay? What you need to do instead is be like, wow, that's amazing. Bermuda, wow. Have you ever seen houses in Spain? Have you seen the architecture? Crazy. So good. He'll be like, oh, interesting. And you're like, well, what kind of house do you want to buy in Bermuda? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Show me the ones in Spain. You just influence it. But if you squash a person's drive, you've just killed it. So it, it's almost like a psychological tricks on how to, in a really nice and logical way, communicate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that so? Something that I also wanted to ask you. I know we're like so over our time now, but something that I want to ask. I saw an article that Daily Mail wrote about you. Yeah. How to manipulate men? That you are teaching women online how to manipulate men. How did yeah. that make you feel, Margarita? How did that make you feel? It made me feel like I am winning at life. No, I'm joking. That made me feel like I love when people. You're like yes. <laughs> I get. I am. I have a superpower where I don't feel peer pressure and I don't feel offended very easily. That's my superpower. And it's because um, you're Eastern European. That's yeah, why. I'm like, come I on. I gotta throw that in there. It's just, <laughs> and I'm like, I said the word manipulate. I say in my videos, be selfish, be self obsessed, how to manipulate men. Because what does manipulate mean? Manipulate means change the direction of an idea without force. Who manipulates? Children, people who are powerless manipulate, right? I'm not saying we're like children, we have no power, but it's a tactic of persuasion. I could say persuade. I could say any mm -hmm. other word, but that word is more spicy and it's going to make people actually listen. And then I change their mind and they're happy. But Daily Mail was like, let's write about this. I was like, good, caught you. The media was media, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, but and I think it's, it's just the idea of understanding how another person perceives you, right? Like you think... Like even what you were talking about medication, that's something that I, I wouldn't have even thought about because I definitely asked my husband from time to time, like, yeah. hey, did you, you know, did you, uh, did you eat this? Like, did you finish this or did you do, you know, but I never thought that it could have that effect. And now after talking to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, totally. Because he, he's you know an adult, what? he's an adult you. man. He knows, you know, what he needs you to know do. What he's, well, you know what's going to happen? And I hate to fear monger and people are going to say, yeah, but that's his responsibility. But everyone, you want to feel like a beautiful woman, right? He wants to feel like a strong man, right? So if you're always mothering him, it's not bad. Maybe he's happy, but one day he's going to be walking somewhere and he's going to be somewhere and a woman's going to make him feel like a man. He's not going to cheat. Nothing. He's a good guy. He doesn't cheat. But he's going to be like, oh, I miss that. Like, it's, it's that thing. Like, don't you want to cultivate that in your own relationship? I'll give you an example from my life. When I cook a meal, right, my husband sometimes comes home very late. He's a surgeon, so he works really late. I'll leave it on the stove. And I used to be like, when he comes in, I'll be like, what you don't eat? Because I don't know why he can't do this. I'm like, what you don't eat? Can you put it away in the Tupperware and put it in the fridge? And then I realized, fuck, I sound, sorry, sorry. I sound like, oh, I just don't like myself in that role. Can you put it away? So instead now I just put the Tupperware right next to it. And I write a note saying, I love you. I don't even Aww. say what to do. Right. I don't say what to do. Do you think the stuff is in the Tupperware? Yes, it is. I just leave it there. Ladies, it's time for you to start writing <laughs> I love you and put it on the Tupperware, the socks, the shirts, everywhere in the house. <laughs> Everything. And another one is if he doesn't take the trash, I'll just literally be like, do you know, this was a fight. Like, he won't take it out. In Australia, you live over several levels, so you get a nice view, whatever. And I used to be like, take it out. Why can't you take it out? The ants are coming in. 
from the garden and now I'm like oh, trash is full where do I put oh, I just don't know where to put and he's like I'll take it you know what I mean it's just about the energy you can almost make yeah. it playful there is like I started to make yeah I started to I sometimes you know if he leaves this he loves to leave socks I don't know why men do that but like he loves oh, to leave socks true. in the middle of just like a mm -hmm. room and I always just say like oh that's an interesting place to put socks never thought of yeah. that before you know and then he just comes and he puts them away yeah so it's yeah. it's it's like how do you want to how do you want to live your life like what quality of life you've got to understand that is he a good man in general okay he leaves socks how can we make this funny or playful or humorous like just lighten up a little bit because sometimes people break their relationships over socks yeah they they focus on shit so much and they forget yeah. about how wonderful this person is in all these other areas right yeah exactly. for sure well this was such a pleasure and yeah. i i feel like we can keep talking for another hour because yeah. there's so many more areas to explore and dive into how can people find you online um my name and my podcast is being her with margarita nazarenko and youtube channel it's all happening double the content one on youtube one on podcast i'm like guys i hope i have enough to say i think i do I'm sure that you do. Thank you so much for your time today.